Hi everyone and welcome to the Sendable Insider podcast. Today I'm with Martine. Hi guys. Today we're going to be discussing something that's quite recent, something we've been through as a company and we're pretty proud of the achievements that we've managed to accomplish in a short time. So we thought we would tell you a little bit about how we introduced remote working, how we went from being a company who was based solely in our North London offices to a company that fully embraces remote working. So, Gavin, do you want to give a bit of background as to how we went about setting this up and, and the reasons why we decided to introduce remote working? Yeah, so uh, our office, as you know, is based in North London. It's about half an hour from the center. And we've, we've kept the office there um, for about five years now. And we've always had an issue with people being able to commute to the head office. That was the first. The first point was obviously looking at the location where we based do we need to be in a physical office? Do we need a location uh, in particular? And the other thing was most of our customers are based in the US and we're continuing to grow our team in the UK. So we felt that we would really like to get closer to our customers and find a way to build a team that can be based anywhere in the world. We also had people wanting to move to other cities in Europe. So our designer wanted to move back to Italy. He had been living in London for a couple of years and it was time to move back. And we had a sales agent who wanted to move back to where his girlfriend was from in Northern Ireland. So that also impacted us and helped us to think about how we could move forward to keep these talented staff on board. Uh, the other thing was our lease was coming to an end within the year. So we had to decide if we were going to move uh, or stay where we were. And the obvious choice would be to move into a bigger office that would be further south, more central. But there were some issues with that. Um, in particular, the, the rents are extremely high in London. So we found office space that would be suitable, about double the size we're in now, and um, it would be five times the rent. So this was kind of what triggered everything. And as we, as we started to recruit more developers, we realized that a lot of them wanted to do work remotely. They wanted jobs that offered them home working opportunities. So we thought if we're going to be hiring developers in London who want to work from home, why not open the doors to anyone in the world and see if we can hire people from other cities too. So essentially our lease was coming to an end. We were outgrowing the office and we needed to make a decision how we were going to move forward. And that's, that's kind of how this whole thing came about. Right. So now we had this idea and now we needed to figure out how we were going to implement it. So do you want to explain about how we actually went about doing it and implementing it and getting our staff ready? So we needed to bring in some new developers and we advertised the role, as I said earlier, but most of the developers based in London wanted to work from home. So that's kind of what triggered this whole change. And at the same time, I decided to look at a book with the founders of Basecamp called Remote. And this book is about how to set up a remote working culture. And I read it really quickly and I took some of those ideas on board. One of the key ideas was to advertise your jobs or advertise vacancies on WeWork remotely. This is a website that was created by the guys at Basecamp originally. And I didn't really believe that this would work. So I put the, those, um, those vacancies up for the developers. I wanted to see what would happen. You know, I think it cost about 200 pounds. So we managed to attract 200 applicants for those vacancies. And we decided to obviously go through the process of interviewing them. And we managed to find the three best developers out of those 200. And that, that's incredible because to think about it, at the time we could only get five to 10 developers in London. Here we could go through a list of 200 people, the, the best in the world. Before they started, uh, we had a meeting with the managers at the company 
to figure out how we could embrace a remote first culture. These three developers would be based in South Africa, one would be in Northern England, and one would be in Scotland. So we needed to make sure they felt included and part of the company. So I met with the managers and we had a brainstorming session where we decided to work out what, what would it look like to make them feel part of the company. How would we make it that they could be, they could approach anyone for anything, that they wouldn't be stuck, that they could understand the culture and the tools we use. So we, we decided to create a manager's guide uh, to remote working and we'll attach a link in the show notes for you to use if you'd like to set up your own remote working guide. And those guidelines included things like, you know, when you're on a video conferencing call, make sure your camera is always on. And uh, when someone has maybe more than three or four questions on Slack, call them rather than respond via text. These are some of the guidelines we, we introduced. It's been really amazing to see how the managers have embraced remote working. We even had a manager decide to meet with the remote workers every couple of weeks during their first weeks were sendable to see how they were getting on to make sure they weren't feeling lonely. So that was a critical part of the process. And we also set up a questionnaire. I think you, was it something you set up, Martin? Yes. So what I did from a, with the help of our HR consultant is I set up a questionnaire to ensure that everybody was suitably um, prepared to work from home, that they had all the equipment they needed, that they, they didn't need me to order them anything or ship them anything, and all the health and safety requirements were in order. And just to be sure, they had suitable internet and electricity and whatever it was that they would have needed to be able to work productively from home. The other thing was that we wanted all new starters who joined to come to the head office for two weeks, at least, um, in the first, the first few weeks at Sendable. This is really important for them to understand the culture and see how we work, and just to get to know who they'll be working with uh, face-to-face, in person. I think you, you can't beat that human interaction. Uh, even with all the tools we have in the world, I think having the human interaction is key, especially in the, in the beginning of a new employee's journey with the company. So we do that now for all remote workers. We send them out, no matter where they are in the world, to the head office, and it's been really beneficial. At least twice a year we do that. We have a team building day, and they come for the Christmas party, and then obviously for their initial training. So what do you think were some of the challenges that we faced recently? I mean, do you think uh, we've managed to overcome them now? What do you think, Martin? I think one thing that we've done with the remote workers that I think has worked brilliantly is we actually, we have a little social committee in the office and one of our remote workers has joined the social committee. So she gives us a really good insight into what, what she thinks would help the remote workers feel more included and, and that's really helped. Bringing them out has definitely helped also. We, they, they really feel more connected to the team and they really feel very enthusiastic when they leave and kind of are looking forward to coming back in December. Definitely one of the challenges, I would say, with time zones. That's quite a shock for us in the UK, obviously, to want to speak to somebody and they're fast asleep. But we've learned to adapt that. We um, use World Time Buddy um, a lot. So, so we've been able to adapt that and we just kind of work longer hours if we need to speak to them. Yeah, I think another challenge we faced was being able to communicate better as a company. Now, we have a team that relies heavily on Slack. And what happens with Slack is that when people are in different time zones, as Martin said, they're having to catch up uh, and read through reams and reams of, of content to see what they missed. So we've, we've been looking at a solution to introduce a better way to communicate decisions. So I've recently discovered a tool called Tetra, where whenever there's a meeting or a discussion, I always ask the people involved to write up a little wiki page 
that informs others in the company as to what's been said, what's been agreed. And that's been really helpful, especially when people come back from a holiday, when they're on leave for two weeks, to expect them to go through all those Slack conversations and see what's been missed. That's a huge challenge. Something else we do to help improve communication is we, we use Zoom, obviously, for our video conferencing. And we often record our town hall meetings and various meetings that could be of use to other other employees across time zones. So even if they aren't present, they can at least watch that recording uh, in their own time. I, I guess the other thing you've had to deal with yourself is trying to coordinate all the travel for the remote workers. Yes, that's definitely been quite time consuming to organize travel and accommodation for the remote workers. But it's definitely worthwhile. It's definitely something that they benefit from. Um, currently, I'm busy organizing for everybody to come out for Dece- in December for our Christmas party and sendable prize giving, which is always a highlight of the year. One other thing I forgot to mention was that we also had some people that weren't used to remote working because we wanted to make it fair and have the original office workers also have, have the option to work from home. During the period when we were trialing this out, we had the entire development team work from home for a week and they did this over a couple of periods and some of them found it extremely lonely working from home they just weren't used to having no human interaction or no in-person interaction so you really want to be making sure that you uh, look out for that that loneliness issue touch base with your staff and make sure that they're um happy and being being looked after and i guess the best way is just to involve them in conversations phone calls zoom conferencing calls to give them that that ability to interact with people in real time even now that we've got we've got a hot desk environment now, so we have our permanently remote um, team, and we have some people who work sometimes like once or twice or three times in the week from home. We've given them the option that they need to be in the office at least twice a week, but if they want to be in five days a week, they can. So for the ones who experience the loneliness, they they always have the option to work from the office. So what was it that you think actually influenced or helped us to achieve remote working so successfully? So yeah, there are a couple of companies that I've, I looked at for inspiration. And during the same period as we were thinking about remote working, we were also doing a revamp of our brand values and our vision. And one of our values was to be more authentic and human. Uh, and we believe that we, to be authentic, you need to give people the ability to be, um, to be productive wherever they feel most comfortable. So we, we took Buffer's approach in being transparent and uh, how they allow people to work from anywhere in the world. I believe they have 80 employees and they're all fully remote. I also, I'm very influenced by Basecamp um, and the book I mentioned earlier, uh, Remote, which again is a very forward-thinking company. Um, it's the opposite of what you'd expect in a, from a Silicon Valley type of company. They believe in building a small, sustainable business over time that's profitable and doesn't rely on outside funding. And I just like their approach to how they um, how they introduce remote working and a work-life balance. So a lot of the ideas have come from that book, Remote. Uh, the other thing that influenced our our journey along the way was obviously having one of the, the managers meet with the remote workers every couple of weeks, as I said earlier, and make sure that we were on track and uh, improving our processes as we as we went. A couple of other things I discovered along the way. So as we were looking at remote working, I reached out to people on LinkedIn, other companies who've been doing this for a while, and there were two tools that really stood out that I wanted to introduce. So the one tool solves the problem of recognition. So when you're remote, you don't always see what people are achieving. And this one is called Hey Taco. It's a very simple plugin for Slack that whenever someone does a good job, uh, you can tag them in a Slack update and include a taco emoji. And at the end of a, a week, you'll see whoever's got the most tacos and you'll see the reasons they were given tacos. So that simple trick 
allows you to see what, what people are doing when you aren't around. And what they can do is they can then exchange their tacos for prizes and, and rewards. So, for example, a night out with their partner, a paid for dinner, even a team lunch. So that, that worked really well to improve visibility. Would you agree? Definitely. I would say it gives, it gives people... It kind of takes them back to the reward charts that they used to have in school. <laughs> the, the competition is quite high. And then the other tool that um, I introduced recently, which I discovered from the guys at Automatic, I believe. And Automatic is the company that produces WordPress. Now they have almost 200 employees that are fully remote. And one of the employees told me that they have a, a little uh, Slack plugin called Donut. And what Donut does is this ensures that people are communicating better. So every two weeks, it'll randomly put two people together on Slack and invite them to have a coffee together or go for lunch or just a general chat. And that means that people are randomly meeting up, even when they're working across the world in different time zones. And it means that people like developers can speak to salespeople, people like support, our support team are speaking to uh, developers and that kind of thing. And you get this amazing cross-team collaboration and, and understanding and trust building. So definitely look at Hey Taco and Donut as two tools to help drive communication while your teams are, are remote. So based on all these changes, how do you think we've changed as a company as a result of this, this embracing of remote working? I think we definitely have changed as a company because I think that incorporating remote working with the hot desking has enabled people to communicate so much better. I always used to sit on the one side of the office and, for example, the developers used to sit on the other side of the office. And I got to a point where once we came back into the office where I was sitting next to somebody and I was like, I haven't spoken to you in months you know, because when you have your team building days or whatever, you kind of still stick with the people that you see the most and you communicate with the most. So it was really refreshing to sit next to somebody that I actually hadn't spoken to in ages. And I just feel that generally people are working together a lot more. They're talking. There's a lot more banter. They're, um, the donut has definitely helped tacos, as I said, makes people really competitive and very motivated. And I just think that generally... The atmosphere is really, really good. People are really happy. They're working from air, where, whichever area they feel the most productive. They, they're not forced to sit at their desks all day. They stand, they sit, they go on the sofas, wherever they want to work. Um, so I definitely think it's changed for the better. What would you say some of the lessons are that we could, we could um, recommend to people who might be wanting to implement remote working? Uh, yeah, so as I said, the trigger for us was the office space. Uh, so when you get to a point where I'd say that the starting point for most companies to think about remote working, the easiest place to start is when you maybe outgrow your office and you need to make a decision. That's what happened to us. So what we did is rather than um, kind of moving to a bigger office, we decided to remove half our desks. That was our approach and, and turn our office into a, a hot desking space. So that, that was kind of the trigger of everything. But I would say if you, if you backtrack from that, I would say you need to experiment. Start small. Test it first with just a few employees. Let people work from home maybe two days a week, one day a week. See how you operate as a company, how you can communicate. And the second critical thing is to get managers on board. So in the beginning, I had to convince managers that this is the way forward. This is the future of work. A lot of them didn't understand it or didn't see that this could actually work. Maybe because they came from different, more corporate backgrounds. But the key here is to illustrate to managers the benefits of remote working and make sure they're on board and they can trust their teams. And trust is a big issue uh, as well for people who aren't used to this. And the way we improved that was to get managers to arrange daily stand-ups, so daily meetings with their teams, 
to check in, make sure that there's some sort of commitment from the team members to show what they've worked on, what they're planning to work on. And that check-in is super important as you move towards remote working. The third thing is to create a remote working policy, which I think is, is really critical so everyone knows the rules. The rules have to be very clear as to how many days they can work from home, how many days they can be in the office, how you are going to be employing possibly people that are fully remote from day one, and how that impacts your non-remote staff and the benefits they can receive by being in the office. You also need to make sure that your staff have all the right equipment. So I know Martin, you went through a massive process of doing an audit. We had to get rid of all of our desktop PCs and introduce laptops for everyone. So I would say before you can even embark on this journey, make sure you have the right equipment for those who are going to be working remotely. And you don't want them working on their personal computers. They must be working on obviously your own equipment. And where possible, you need to involve remote workers in all your meetings. So if you're mixing in-office meetings with remote people being in those meetings, you need to make sure you take extra effort in including them in those discussions. So really reach out to them, get them to contribute, make them feel part of those, those discussions, and make sure their cameras are on in all those meetings. And you must commit to flying them out to your office twice a year, at least. I think there's not, nothing beats in-person collaboration uh, for team building and to, to uh, build trust in the company. Uh, I think you just need to make sure you have budget set aside for that. Even if you think that people won't be able to cope with the change, make sure you let them try. Worst case, you can go back to a non-remote culture. But if you share all the benefits of remote working with them, get them on board, let them try and see if they can succeed, you'll be in a much better place for the future. You'll be able to keep your rent lower. You'll have a happier workforce and a more relaxed workforce. What do you think? Anything you want to add? No, I just wanted to ask you if you maybe wanted to add the fact that customer success is now a fully remote team. It's the first team that we've had that's actually been fully remote. Yeah, so after we hired three developers that are fully remote, we then decided to adopt the same process for hiring someone in customer success. And as I said in the beginning of this podcast, we wanted to make sure we were closer to our customers and our customers are mainly in the US. So it made sense to hire someone in customer success, which is a customer facing role based closest to our customers. So we again did the same thing, put the job ad up on WeWork remotely and again got hundreds of applicants. And we found an amazing person uh, based in Florida who has since moved into a customer success manager role. And she has now been given the task of building her own team. So she again did the same process. We advertised the role and we work remotely. And she's now hired two team members to report to her, one based out of Copenhagen and one based in Florida, just two hours away from her. And that team is now fully remote from day one. Uh, we're going to see how this works, but uh, hopefully we can report back in a few weeks or a few months to let you know how that, that has all panned out. What do you think? Anything you want to add about that? No, just to say that they all came a few weeks ago to have their training. They, they came all together, so it was really nice for them to meet up, and now they've all gone their separate ways and I think are thriving. But as we said, we'll, we'll, we'll check back in with you and let you know how it goes. Maybe we can even get one of them on the podcast. So just to end off, obviously, we would love to hear from you. Um, if you look at the show notes, you'll be able to send in a voice message for us. So if you have any questions about how you think we could help you introduce remote working at your company, if there are any challenges you face, please send us a voice message and we'll answer them in upcoming episodes. So thanks for joining us and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye, guys.